0: What's up, Oasis? Good to see you. Our online community, we are so grateful that you're tuning in today and watching. And I'm really excited uh, about where our church is going. Jamaica was talking earlier that if you are, and you're just uh, watching right now, make sure you fill out our online survey, oasisla.org forward slash online survey, why? Because we want to serve you better than we have up until this point. A lot of what we've done is not is without knowing where you're watching from or who you are or what your family makeup is. And we really believe that while last year we were intentional, we built this studio, we were filming service just for you. We want to go beyond filming and start to really figure out what does it mean to have real authentic community from those who are watching online. And so we don't know where you are and who you are. We cannot serve you. Uh, Better. And so I want to really encourage you. uh, Typically, we do these things, people bypass it, and we get 40, uh, you know, filled out surveys, although there are probably uh, up to 2,000 people watching this right now take the time fill out the survey my heart would be uh, that the way surveys work is that once we get to about 600 to thousand people watching the survey filling out the survey we get a pretty good uh context of where we are in this area so please help me out in this <laughs> don't uh, make us have to do this four weeks in a row would love for everybody watching this uh to just fill out the survey so we could serve you better sound good we are still in a series called "The Attitude of Christ." So grateful for uh, Pastor Anna preached online last week, and it was such a powerful word uh god is doing something special in our church the word uh has been so encouraging we got a lot of people in our church you can communicate the word you're gonna be hearing uh from them in these next couple of months and and i'm really excited about what god is doing and and the word is so important because at the end of the day the reason why the attitude of christ is not just a series but it's our vision for 2022 is i believe that it prepares you for favor And when you get favor, it sustains favor in your life. And so that's why we're doing it. A lot of times churches can talk about big dreams and big hopes, but without humility, we actually end up destroying the things that God brings into our life. And so I want to preach a message today that is going to humble you because it is humbling me. And I have, this is probably the, an area where pride seeps in my life the most uh, over the years. And so I'm going to preach a, situa- uh, a, a sermon simply titled, It's Not the Situation, It's the Soil. That's so good. It's not the situation. It's already good, Pastor Nelson. Yeah. It's not the situation. It's the soil. If you have your Bibles turn to Mark 4, verses 1 through 20, I, I'm in a habit of reading the whole thing and then going back to it. It's just good to read the Word. Matter of fact, when I'm reading the Word, something's happening spiritually, even though I'm not explaining the Word. I don't know if you know this, but Revelation 1 actually says that we'll be blessed if we read Revelation 1 aloud in the church. That we'll be blessed. One of these days, we're gonna do a series and I'm just gonna read Revelation out loud. No interpretation. Nothing. Just read it. Close the book. We all go home and get to the bag because it says we're going to be blessed. That's what it says. You got to read it. And so today's not that day. But um, hopefully one day our culture will be ready for a series like that where we just read scripture. Mark 4, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark 4. Um, And obviously we're going to have it on the screen for you. If you um, have no Bible in your home, um, we have it on the screen for you. But please get a Bible in your home. It's great. Um, Verse one says this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Uh, The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. And as soon as Jesus starts talking like that, you got to know really quick that everybody would have been like, yep, I'm in. You know, like when we hear it right now, we don't know any farmers. If you have a garden in L.A., like it's, you don't, it's not a garden. People always say, I have a garden. You go in their backyard, it's four tomatoes, one avocado that's already brown. You don't have a garden. You have a couple of plants, okay? So stop. That's pride in itself. We're in a series on humility. Somebody put in the chat, it's not a garden, Two tomatoes is not a garden, but everybody would have been like, I'm in. So in our context, it would be like if I started a parable with, you know, uh, a young man with 200 followers is working on a post to change the world. You'd be like, oh, I kind of know where this is going. Like somebody is thinking they can change the world through Instagram and Jesus is going to say, no, we're going to change it through our faith or our service or whatever. You kind of know by the first sentence, this is where this is going. So for them, a farmer went out to sow his seed and they were like, yep, amen. Yep. Put amen in the chat. Farmers. Yes. They were already in. And as they were scattering the seed, Jesus continues, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Uh-oh. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plant, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Uh, verse 10 says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. D- D- this is no joke. <laughs> I'm telling you. We, we all love to ask about the kingdom of God. Well, so what's the kingdom of God? When we say G- we worship Jesus the king, he told them a parable and then simply said, you just got the secret. I'm giving you the inside info on what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he skipped to verse 13. He's saying, because uh, they're confused. Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any par- parable? What Jesus is literally saying, and many Bible scholars agree, this is the most important parable out of all of them. Wow. Because if you don't get this one, you won't get any of them. Wow. If you don't get this one, you won't get any of them. So Jesus told a bunch of parables. Uh, there's some people in the room with master's degree, I don't know how many there were but maybe they know, I don't know. Yeah, is it really? It's 23 parables, is it really? It's Colton Town. That's why he's your online campus pastor, because he knows more than me. Get the info straight to him, just a walk Colton said, I hope that's right. Somebody Google it right now. Just a walking Bible college, that guy. Just unbelievable. So let's say there's 23 and I'm just gonna hedge. I trust him, I'm gonna hedge. I'm willing to bet, like, I'm it's 23, whatever it is, um, he's saying, if you don't know this one, the other 22 will be more confusing. Mm-hmm. I think so many times when we read our Bible, we start in Deuteronomy, like why do people or cover to cover, I'm going to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this year, I'm going to read the whole Bible from cover to cover. But he just said, Jesus just said that if you don't understand Mark four, one through 20, you'll have a hard time understanding any of it. So maybe Bible studies, especially in the New Testament and in the Gospels, should start with Mark 4. That's how powerful whatever it is, is we're about to read. Um, and he says, uh, if, if you keep going, he goes, um, um, 14, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, geez, and takes away the word that was sown in them. By the way, Satan doesn't have an issue with the word of God. Uh, he He quotes it yeah. mm. uh, he has an issue when the Word of God is being sown. Come on, man. Ooh, this is getting good. It says others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they only last. A short time when trouble or persecution come because of the word they quickly fall away still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word but the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and making it unfruitful others like seed sown on good soil hear the word accept it and produce a crop some 30 some some 60 some 100 times this is so good that we are reading this y'all this is amazing um, this is very powerful I'm just I'm so encouraged All right, number one, before we get into all of this other stuff that you have to understand that Jesus told a story about really three aspects, the farmer, the seed and the soil. Now in this passage of scripture, Jesus is the farmer. A lot of times people like me who are pastors who preach use this verse to uh, excuse themselves from bad preaching. Meaning that if they don't, if people aren't listening, it's because, well, some, some ground is hard and rocky and some ground, I guess Satan's choking the word. <laughs> but, but wait a minute. Like, are you actually Jesus in this parable? So I've said this before where sometimes we immediately make ourselves Jesus. And obviously if you don't preach, you would either make yourself You can't make yourself the word, so you would be the ground. Am I the ground? Am I the soil? But some people who actually share God's word or lead Bible studies, they immediately go, hey, I'm Jesus, and I'm the farmer. And you can be, but there's some qualifications for that. And so this is what makes Jesus the farmer. Jesus is not the farmer because he has the seed. Hmm. Jesus is the farmer because he owns the field. Oh, I feel like preaching. I'm about to throw my notebook up in here. We think we're the farmer because we have the word. And so we say, well, Jesus had the word. He's a farmer. I'm a farmer too. I preach. I lead Bible studies. I lead connect groups. And so then we get frustrated when people don't listen because we think we're a farmer because we have the seed. But Jesus isn't the farmer because he had the seed. He's a farmer because he owned the field. Could you go and throw seed in someone else's field and call yourself a farmer? No, you're an idiot with seed. (laughs) I have been an idiot with seed. When I first got to the church, I was an idiot with seed. Because I had the word and knew the word, I was always preaching. You ever notice that guy? Hey, um you want to go get something to eat? Uh, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And you got a sermon. I'm like, yep, bro, bro. I just want to know do you want to go to Granville, man. Like, come on, man. It's like, man, like you always like just this Leviticus and everything. And I get that we need to know the word like that. But so many times we think we put pressure on ourselves to be a farmer, to sow seed in fields that aren't ours. And so when I first came to Oasis, I was that guy who thought I was a farmer because I had seed, but this wasn't my field. This is Pastor Phillip's field that Jesus had entrusted him to lead. And so sometimes you have to come on somebody else's field. And even though you have seed, you have to build relationships because nobody wants your seed, your, 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 preaching if they don't. So, so then I had to come and I had to learn and I almost left the church over this. Oh, they don't want to hear the word of the Lord. They don't want to hear the prophecies. They don't want They don't believe God. And I almost shipwrecked my destiny, which was to be the lead pastor because I was throwing seed on somebody else's field. So Jesus is the farmer, which means that if you have somebody in your life that isn't following God, but they believe God, and they, that it, they are a part of Jesus' field. And the only way that you would be released to be the farmer is, I'm gonna read to you. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are both God's workers. This is Paul. Paul is the farmer and you are God's field. So Paul has separated himself from the field to a farmer. How? I believe Matthew 13, verse 44 gives us a clue. This is why Jesus owns the field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. So what qualifies Jesus to be a farmer is he gave up everything for the people that are the field. What qualifies you to be a farmer is not the words in your mouth, but the sacrifices you make. That's why we can farm our kids that are the field because we're making sacrifices for them. I could tape the word of God on a refrigerator and go and do my thing, and go make music, and go hustle, and never see my kids. And I gave them the word, but until I make sacrifices for them, I'm not a good dad. What gives me the right to speak the word over them is the sacrifices I have made for them. What gives the right for Jesus to be the farmer and for us to be the field is he made sacrifices. He gave up everything to own the field. The Bible says that you were purchased with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So he has the right to be the farmer in your life. Jesus is the farmer. And the only way we are released to be the farmer are for the people that we make sacrifices for. Jesus says this, a true friend is uh, one that lays his life down for his friends. That is real love. Are you willing to lay your life down for people that you are preaching to? Um, the second thing that we need to know in this parable is the word of God is the seed. John 1.14 says the word became human. I don't even need to read the whole verse. The word of God became human. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus and you don't have a relationship with the word of God. Jesus is the walking, talking word of God. So if you're not reading your Bible, you cannot know Jesus. He is the word made human. You cannot accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and reject the word as his divine utterance for instruction in our life. Both go together. It's who he is. He is the word. Accepting Jesus is also accepting his word. He said the word became human. John 15 verse 17 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The word of God is the seed. Now, here's a cool thing about this Greek word of seed is obviously uh, they're planting grain, so it means seed, but this particular Greek word also means offspring. So they were using this word, seed and offspring. So watch this, this is so important. So when Jesus is planting the word of God in you, a lot of times through a preacher or when you preach to yourself, come on, somebody had to preach to themselves in this season, he is planting in you all the things that you're believing for, but he's also a planting identity. So he's putting identity in you. He's putting both the seeds, something that's going to grow in your life and produce the harvest, but he's also putting in you the, 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 a reproductive mechanism to become like him. It means offspring. And so this is important. We understand that the word of God is seed. And also in this parable, we have to understand that God's people are the field. I already read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, where it says, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field. Why is this important? Well, I hate to tell you this, but sometimes we blame people who have given us a prophecy and we think they're false prophets because it didn't happen. Now that can't happen. There are some people out there saying some crazy stuff, but I want to tell you something that's really important for you to understand. Write this down. Prophetic seed only thrives in prophetic soil. Prophetic seed only thrives in prophetic soil soil we're getting ready to talk about the soil which is the the humble heart responsive to god's word where there is pride you're always destroying prophecy this is so important for us to understand because we get a word that oh man my pastor told me that i'm gonna get married and and, like he sees my husband coming in this next three years and then we out here all willy-nilly you know listening to megan the stallion no no offense megan the stallion if you're watching but like that if that's your (laughs) mentor on relationships then your soil is messed up. And when the soil's messed up, the seed is messed up. And so we blame the preacher or we blame the seed when it's the soil's responsibility to give the seed nutrients. Even Paul said, one waters, one plants, it's God who brings the increase. So as preachers, if we're planting seed in bad soil, sometimes you can't say, I thought this year would be my best year. You said that, the vision was this. But yes, I did say that. But that word has to go in soil. I want you to put in the chat, it's not the situation, it's the soil. Isn't that the most humbling thing we could absolutely process in this time? That prophetic seed only thrives in prophetic soil. I sound, prophetic is a big word, but let me just, it's the word of God. The spoken word of God, the written word of God is seed that goes into the soil of your heart. So as your heart is humble and responsive, you give that seed a chance to germinate, thrive, and reproduce what the Bible said was 30, 60, 100 times more than what was sown. So meaning that you only need a little seed to get a lot of blessing. I feel like preaching up in here. Oh, this is good. I'm about to take it. Where do I run? I can't, ain't too small to take a lap. And if we unpack this scripture... This is important. People say, well, I know my friends and they seem to be blessed and they're not following God. No, no, no. Only those responsive to God's word can have blessings both attainable and sustainable. Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable if it didn't come from the word of God. And this is why Jesus said, if you understand this, you can understand everything. The reason why I know this is true and... um, um, is I think that what mo- a lot of what we want God to provide, he's planting. Mm-hmm. And we hate that. Yeah. Like, we don't, can you imagine? Valentine's Day is coming up. And I give Christina a lump of coal. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> you bury this just deep enough, girl. 10 million years later, you're going to have a diamond. 10 million years. Wait, what do you mean? Go to Zales and give me a diamond. I just gave you a diamond. This is Zales just in the middle of the mall. On my budget right now, like, I'm, my budget right now is like, not even like Zales. Like, I can't, I'm not doing Zales. I'm doing like mall cart jewelry right now. Your boy's going to get an Auntie Anne's pretzel a massage and a diamond for my wife let's go (laughs) let's go like i'm gonna get right in the same section i'm gonna get a massage a pretzel a diamond and a phone case just all in the middle of the mall just like right there like that's where i'm at on valentine's day i'm just gonna gonna spend 125 dollars for all of it this is gonna be amazing i forgot where i was going with that Oh, I know where I was going with that. That we want God to like, we don't want that. God often gives us the resources to produce something in our life. We want him to to provide it, but sometimes he plants it. He puts something in you. So then we go, we get a prophetic word that God's calling us to uh, acting. God's calling us to ministry. God's calling us to music. God's calling us to business. God's calling us to to fitness, influence, whatever it is. And then we go, okay, God, you said it, I heard it. So when are you gonna do it? And he's like, I did it. I gave you the seed. Now, if you work on your soil. Oh, my God, this is great. Is this just me? I just, this is, you got to work on your soil. You got to work on your soil. And then after the prophecy is spoken over you and it's years and years and years of it not coming to pass. You think it's the situation, right. but you have to humble yourself and say, it's not the situation. Put it in the chat. It's the soil. We have to be humble enough. God's telling me this is going to be my biggest year of relationships and friendships. But then when friends get around you, all you do is complain. All you do is, because you want to be, you want sympathy, not correction. And so then at the end of the year, when you lose all your friends, you say, what happened, God? You said this was my year to have relationships. And God sent me to tell you, it's not the situation it's the soil. Do you know that that um, your humility can reverse prophecies, both good and bad? Wow. Oh wow. Oh, I- <laughs> I what's that? Elder, what's the elder? Elder Jacob. Oh 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 oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Don't get me up in here. Your humility can reverse prophecies, both negative and bad. There was a king, Hezekiah, who was prophesied over that he was going to die. He went to the Lord and humbled himself, put sackcloth in ashes. He went from Gucci to like Fashion Nova. (laughs) In a moment. And God's saying, because you took off the Gucci and put on Fashion Nova, I'm gonna add 15 years to your life. He had gotten a prophecy. Jeremiah 18:7, verse 10 says this. This is a prophet talking. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, or destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on the disaster I had planned. If at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, And if it does evil in my sight and not obey me, then I will reconsider the good. What is he saying? If I gave you a prophecy, if I planted a prophecy and then you go left, you kill the seed. It's not that I'm not gracious. It's not that I'm not merciful, but certain purposes and seed only grow in certain soil. And you want a situation and God wants you to have the soil to produce the situation you're believing for. It is not the situation, it is the soil. Put it in the chat. This is so important we understand this. He continues to say in this passage of scripture that other seed, which is the word of God, is sown in rocky places. And these are people who hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word. I just got the chills. Is it hot in here? I'm going to get in the camera. How, how close can I get in the camera until the camera loses focus? I want you to see my face. Did you hear this? It came because of the word. Brandon, it came because of the word you're struggling because of the word. God spoke something over your life and the persecution, the trouble came because of the word. It's not because you're doing something wrong, it's coming because of the word. So the enemy heard the word that was spoken over your life and he sent you trouble to try to discourage you to not believe the word. When you get the word, here comes the trouble and the persecution. Why are we fighting against the persecution in government? It's coming because of the word that's over our church. We talked about revival for five years straight and then couldn't have church. And now we want to fight to be able to have church. And God is saying the persecution is coming because of the word. Jesus said, if my kingdom were of this world, my followers would be fighting. That's a quote. My kingdom If it was of this world, my followers would be fighting. But since my kingdom, this is a quote, is not of this world, I must be delivered over to those who are persecuting me. So sometimes your blessing is is persecution has you, but the grace of God and the mercy of God won't let persecution keep you. You ain't gonna stay in that situation. You're gonna get out of it because of the word of God. And sometimes God is telling you, It's here because of the word we fall away when the trouble comes because we think the trouble is the word is off The trouble is the word is on The word is on you ever notice when you date somebody When I dated my wife our dating season was fire. We didn't get not in one argument But when you get married the word of the Lord hits your. It hits your marriage you literally declare the word of the Lord over each other. You say, in the presence of God, I promise, I commit to you. It's called a holy matrimony. And here comes the devil. Oh, yeah? You're going to promise to be together forever? I'll show you forever. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Because the word is declared over each other. So something, some, something in your marriage is happening because of the word. That's over your marriage. Something in your finances is happening because of the word that's over your finances. Something is happening because God gave a word and here comes the trouble and the persecution. You're like, Lord, if you've called me to this and you said that I would do this, why is this so hard? The scripture says, because of the word, don't fall away. Next verse says, still others like seed among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and desire for other things this is suggesting that another way you can kill prophecy is worry, a desire for money. I've been doing this like, I don't want to call it a Bible study, but it's I, an inquisitive uh, inquiring search. So the Bible study means I'm spending a lot of time. It's more of like a search. And everything in the Bible that is attached to uh, the spirit is attached to, there's a spirit attached to holiness, yeah. the Holy Spirit. There's a spirit attached to truth, the spirit of truth. There's a spirit attached to grace, the spirit of grace. Joshua, Moses said, uh, God told Moses, go lay hands on Joshua in whom is the spirit of leadership. There's a spirit attached to leadership. There's a spirit attached to fear. There's a spirit attached to identity, the spirit of adoption. Notice how much we struggle with all those things Mm -hmm. in the world. There's bad leadership everywhere because there's a spirit attached to it. Great and bad. But there's also a spirit attached to money. The Bible calls it mammon. That means that there are demonic spirits that show up wherever there's money. That's why Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle. I mean, none of us have camels, so that that didn't relate (laughs) to uh, anybody. I don't know how I could say that. Maybe growing up. It would be easier for one of my aunties. No, I'm just playing. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, I say some of this stuff just for me. I'm okay with the email. I'm sorry. Whew. I didn't finish the sentence, okay? I didn't finish the sentence, okay? <laughs> Everybody's like, hey, I like to make people laugh. It's worth it. Email's worth it let me just go back to scripture brandon hold it together you're gonna make me laugh hold it together brandon he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom that's how hard it is if you are called to money you are called for the most difficult road a christian could ever have and so most of the time christians live in poverty to make it easier for them to believe jesus that's why we have a poverty mindset it makes it easier Oh my God, how much time have I got left? This is not the point of my sermon. I can't, some of y'all have a poverty mindset because that's the only time you pray. He gives you something to pray about. Gives you something to see God about. And God is saying, no, no, no. Since the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word. I don't have time to really get into it, but there's, you, you should read this, a parable about um, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And if I had time, I'd read the whole thing. And it's really about, and I'll paraphrase, but... It's a story about uh, another farmer goes in and his workers go, hey, we got some great things happening. Um, The seed we planted is growing, but an enemy has come in and planted uh, weeds among the wheat. Should we yank out the weeds? Obviously, weeds represent the bad things in your life. The wheat represents all the things I'm talking about that God wants to bring to you um, as you have good soil. And they said, should we yank out the weeds? And the farmer, obviously representing Jesus, says, no, you'll uproot the weed if you do. So when you yank out sin that's attached to a good thing, you yank out the good thing and and the bad thing. And he's going, let them both grow together, let them both grow together, and the Lord will separate it at the harvest. I'm paraphrasing. And the reason why it says it chokes the word is because these weeds in our life, sin or whatever, wrap themselves around good things. And so if you look underneath the surface of like the wheat and the weeds, the weeds roots would be intertwined with the wheat's roots. And if you just yanked out the weed, um, the wheat would be damaged. The crazy thing about this, and this is how much discernment and insight that you have to have, because the weeds during that time looked exactly like wheat. If you looked over the field, you couldn't tell the difference. If you looked over our church, it looks like Christians worshiping God, but we have weeds in our church. We have weeds on platforms. We have weeds leading churches. We have weeds coming to churches. We have weeds in our family. We have weeds in our soul. We can't tell the difference. This is why you need discernment and you need to know, hey, if I am worried, if I am being deceived that wealth is gonna make me happy, if I desire for other things, not even more than God, because we love to throw that in. God comes first. No, God is everything. Okay. If God is first, he's everything. It's not, we, this is to me, bad theology. God, family, church. No, it's God. And if God was first, then everything else would be great. It's not an order, a list, God, church, family. Because sometimes... You're putting your family first at the expense of God. Sometimes you're putting God first. It's all encompassed. It says our life in Him we are a new creation. Our whole life is enwrapped in God. And I get what we're trying to say, but but if if you are questioning whether or not you have weeds or weed, ask yourself: Are you worried? That's a weed. You worried about money? Weeds. You have other desires? Oh man, God, when are you? That's a weed. And it's going to make the good things in your life unfruitful. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest signs of pride is worry. I I can tell you if you're prideful, if you're worried. If you're worried about something, that's pride. Because you're saying, I don't trust God. I can't trust God. God's not going to do it. Or you'd rather have the thing than God himself. And so it makes you worried. 1 John 2, 16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. Jesus goes on and continues to say, Others, in verse 20, like seeds sown on good soil. It's not the situation. It is the soil. They hear the word. They accept the word and produce. They produce. They hear the word, accept the word, and produce i feel like god is is like it's kind of like we don't want people in a field coming to church it's not that people come to church and like they have to watch us throw the seed people need to in this season people have been beat up they need to go to Ralph's and there literally needs to be a produce section people who are bearing fruit in their lives that can take them in and love them Sheesh, that they, okay. they don't need to go in the field while we're trying to figure it. i get you're trying to figure it out but they need some people who got some fruit in their life that can help them and by the way, a good harvest, I want you to understand how important this verse is. A good harvest at that time, because I looked it up, would have been about seven and a half times more than what was sown. If you sown, so if you sowed seed and it produced seven and a half times, ten times would have been like it rained more than we thought. It was like, it was like ten times would have been like, oh my God. And Jesus started at 30 times. Wow. So the best case scenario in the natural it's three times more in the supernatural. Yeah, so good. That's how powerful the word is. Yeah. So it's not, I want you to catch this. It's not that if you ain't, you don't accept the word, you can't be blessed. But I want to challenge you that if it was the word, it'd be 30 times minimum more than what you got right now. Don't call me and tell me, My, I got a friend, he, he's, he don't believe in God at all, and he's worth $10 million. Well, it would be 30 if he... Because it's God who gives us the ability. It would be more with God. That's a fact. Whatever you had without him is more with him. That's a fact. And so we got to be careful that we don't downsize and settle because we have something that's just enough without God. If God came in, he would absolutely 30, 60, and 100 times more than what was sown. This would have been in agriculture absolutely impossible. So they would have heard that and go, wait, what? How much more? how could that be? It's because Hosea 10, we're in Hosea, let's go. Hosea 10 verse 12 says, I said, this is another prophet, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. I don't want you to think that what I'm saying here, I know We've repeated this a million times, man. What a tough couple of years. Tough couple of years, and and there's a lot of things we know. You know, you're on the news or whatever. You just know a lot. But I want you to write these final two things down, and I'm gonna close. Uh, if what I know through intellect, information, or attention to detail is negatively affecting my faith, then I know the wrong things. Very good. Sure. If what I know through intellect, information or attention to detail is negatively affecting my faith, then I know the wrong things. You might have some serious problems in your life right now. And I'm not talking about you have to act like you don't have problems. But the word is always bigger than your problem. And we say that a lot and it can sound cheesy. I'm not saying some of us are going through the most difficult things in the world. And there are people who have it easier than you and there are people who have it harder than you. Like I'm not here to say like or be insensitive to what you're going through, but I am saying that that persecution and that trouble is there because of the word that's been spoken over you. And if you give up and quit, you lose the har- you lose the harvest. You really do. Um, write this final thing down. Faith is not the denial of a problem. It's the denial of the problem's influence on your perception. That's all it is. You still got problems, but your problems don't affect the way you see God. It doesn't affect the way you see people. Some people have so many problems in the church; it affects the way they see the church, and that's not. So, so we're finding you are getting our theology off Instagram. The church needs to do this, and you got people who've never, never led a church, telling church leaders how to lead. Right. <laughs> never led a church in their life, and the church should be doing this. And the church, I go, uh oh, uh oh, you had a problem in church, and now it's affecting your perception of the church itself. You had a problem at this workspace, and now it's affecting your perception on that. And so I really believe that God wants us to bear tons of fruit in this situation. We got to be humble enough to say simply, it is not the situation. It is the soil. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. And I believe right now that people are receiving, and I'm just declaring Oasis Church is good ground. It is good Ground. If anybody's walking in any guilt and shame and not sure if you're good ground, I just want to tell you you're good ground. Let God uproot some of those weeds in your life, whether it's sin or or, or negative thinking. But you declare over yourself right now: I'm good ground. I want to receive the word into my heart, and I'm going to stop blaming my situation. Just say that before the Lord. I'm going to stop blaming my situation. Lord, help cultivate the soil that is my heart so I can receive the word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now this uh, church has blessed you in any way. If the, the messages you hear and the community you're a part of has blessed you, we'd like to ask you to give. My heart would be that for the first time in... Um, 37 years. Not a single person in this church would give nothing. The reality is that many people watching online in this moment give absolutely nothing, and that is okay in the beginning. But if you say Oasis is your home, if you say this is your church, then nothing shouldn't be an option. Uh, some people give uh, something, and some people tithe. They give 10% of their income. If God's telling you to do that, listen to him. Some people. Uh, Give a lot more than that. There's some people in our church who'd be willing to give everything that they have to be a part. And I believe that's the four levels of giving. Nothing, something, tithing, and everything. And my heart would be that no one chooses nothing. And so if you're watching right now and this sermon bless you, don't choose nothing. You can go uh, to oasisla.org forward slash give. Go to do something. Be a blessing to what has blessed you. Uh, Giving is a response, not an obligation. And so. I'm just asking you to respond to whatever blessed you. And it it doesn't, it'd be a dollar. It could be $5. Just make, don't make it nothing. I really believe that God's going to move in our lives um, as we we give and we literally uh, sow into God's field. And so God bless you. I love you. Uh, Can't wait to see you uh, online. See you soon.
1: He does it again, again and again and again. It's great. I'm obsessed with this series. It is so relevant and so real. I've had so many conversations about these messages and how they've been transforming Even how I think about humility, and this one is no different. Please take a second and like, don't just move on with your day, but really sit and think about what God spoke to you. What came to the surface in your mind as as Pastor Julian was talking? Um, Write that stuff down. Think about it. What are those words that God has spoken over your life that you've dismissed? Is that soil being nurtured right now or have you let some things die? Why don't you take a second? Take a second and think about that stuff. Let me slow down. And also, as always, we have discussion questions. So if you're like, I forgot what I was even, I was so caught up in what was being said that I forgot. Take a second and go through the discussion questions. It'll help you rejog your memory. Um, They're incredible. Take a second. call, Call a friend. Do it by yourself. Whatever it is do it right now. Um, I hope you have an amazing, amazing week. Make sure that you call somebody. If you're down this week, don't just do it by yourself. Please, please, please call somebody, reach out. We love you so much and we will see you next week.